When I entered middle school, my parents took me to an orthodontist to get my feet, uh, teeth uh, straightened. For nearly three years, my mouth was full of metal and springs and rubber bands that pulled and shaped my teeth into the proper place. The three years seemed like an eternity. I thought I would never get them off and be a normal kid. Three years seems like a long time, but moving teeth is a difficult process. I passed my crooked teeth on to our kids, three out of our four uh, boys, uh, uh, biological boys, uh, had braces. Two of them allowed their teeth to get crooked again and had to do it all over again at their expense. Four of our five adopted children have had braces. Our last one, Erica, our youngest, now has them, and hers is going to be the most expensive of all because in the middle of the process, she's going to have surgery on her jaw. So if you want to contribute to our orthodontics fund, just uh, see me after the service or mail me a check. God is interested in shaping you, not just your teeth, but your whole life. Admitting that you need to be shaped by God, that you sin and have weaknesses, actually makes you more vulnerable and authentic and causes you to be more effective in helping people. This is the seventh in our series of messages called Navigating Uncertainty. I'm talking about how we navigate the uncertainty of our times with the pandemic, the economic lockdown, uh, social unrest, and the election. Most of us are emotionally exhausted. Whether you're a teenager or senior citizen, single, divorced, married, or widowed, a Christian or not, you can feel the turbulence in our country. I've suggested that to help people navigate uncertainty, a leader must provide four things. First, he must provide clarity. So, we can't say with certainty what's going to happen in the uh, days ahead, but as a pastor, I can say with clarity that God is sovereign and he will see us through this. Second, a leader must present choices. Uh, We have a choice today to follow God or drift from God. Third thing a leader must give is give hope. The hope we have to offer is in Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. Final thing a leader must provide is display humanity. And I want to drill down on this today. What does it mean to display humanity? humanity. Uh, We may not know all the answers, but we have to show people that we understand the suffering that they're going through. Leaders that are vulnerable and admitting that they don't have the answers, they've never led through something like this before, are actually more effective in helping people through uncertain times. Jeremiah was vulnerable. He loved the people of Judah He wept for them frequently. Often he cried out to God, why don't people listen to me? They make the stupidest choices. 
Instead of listening to me, they mock me, they scorn me, and they beat me and throw me in prison. Being vulnerable, this is the main thing I want to say today, helps you lead through uncertain times. I find in Jeremiah four ways that we can learn to be vulnerable. First, admit your vulnerabilities to God and people. Be honest with God and with people. After Jeremiah had prophesied to the king one day that the people of Judah would be taken into captivity by Babylon, here's what happened. When the priest, Pasher, son of Immer, the chief officer in the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Jeremiah cried out to God at his unfair treatment. O Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. He says, God, when you asked me to be a prophet, you didn't tell me it was going to go like this. Let's go back. You deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Later, he really lets loose. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. Jeremiah is vulnerable sharing how lonely and depressed he is. Then he tells God what he thinks he should do with the people that are mocking him and treating him so poorly. But you know, O Lord, all their plots to kill me. Do not forgive their crimes or blot out their sins from your sight. Let them be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. Jeremiah is not wrong here. God invites us to be honest with him about what we're feeling. Turning your frustrations into prayers is good practice. When we're vulnerable with God, it helps us learn how to be vulnerable, authentic, and compassionate with people, and people will love you for it. When Jesus and his disciples had gone several days uh, with exhausting ministry, uh, Jesus took them uh, to a remote place for some downtime. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw, <coughs> saw them leaving <coughs> recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he got back into the boat and went to an even more remote place. Now that's not actually what it says. Instead we see when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, <clears throat> he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus showed compassion to them. <clears throat> For leaders to be successful in leading through uncertain times, they must show compassion to people who are hurting. If they do, people will follow them. Jesus says in talking about himself, 
The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. In times of uncertainty, your voice is more important than your words. People will follow you if they feel that you know them, understand them, and care about them. Being vulnerable helps you lead through uncertain times. The second way to become vulnerable is to admit that God is shaping you even though you have resisted Him. If you have your Bible, turn to Jeremiah 18. God likens Himself to a potter and the people of Judah to clay. God tells the people of Judah that He's using the ministry of Jeremiah and He will use the destruction of Jerusalem and people being taken into exile by the Babylonians to shape the people of Judah into the people He wants them to be. Out of the people of Judah who go into exile in Babylon, God will create a remnant of faithful people. Many of them repented. And those people will come back and their children to be the faithful people of God who are prepared to receive Jesus Christ. This prophecy... Oh, let's read this one. So this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I'll give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed to him. Uh, this prophecy occurs during the reign of King Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, remember, is the king who doesn't like Jeremiah's message that they're going to fall into the hands of the Babylonians. And so when Baruch reads the script to him, he asks for the scroll and he clips it off uh, bit by bit and throws it in the fire. Unlike his father Josiah, Jehoiakim has no love for the Lord. He's not in the least bit interested in what Jeremiah has to say, politically or spiritually. Jeremiah goes to the potter's house, but this time God has a message for him that when he shares it, will land him in jail. Uh, the potter sits before two parallel wheels uh, the uh, connected by a shaft, and with his legs, his feet, he moves the lower wheel, and then he works with the upper wheel with his hands. Jeremiah sees him shaping a pot that's marred, and so the potter has to make it into a different kind of pot. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does? declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. God asks, can't I, like a potter, shape you the way I want you to be? The two people of Judah are going to be devastated by Babylon coming in and destroying Jerusalem and taking many of the people in exile to Babylon. But finally, God's efforts pay fruit. As people are being carted off to Babylon, many of them repent. 
And they become faithful followers of God in Babylon. Remember leaders like Daniel and Ezekiel? And then they come back years later with their children as true believers in God. Uh, Be vulnerable to admit that you need God to do some shaping in your life. Uh, The people don't listen to uh, Jeremiah because they don't believe God would allow the wicked Babylonians to conquer God's people. When God brings events into our lives to shape us, we can resist or surrender. If we resist, God has to go to greater lengths to get our attention. Next, Jeremiah goes outside the city to the valley of Ben-Hinnom and preaches, this is what the Lord says, go and buy a clay jar from a potter. Proclaim the words I tell you and say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and people of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, listen, I'm going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. They have built the high places to Baal to burn their sons in the fire. They adopted this wicked practice of sacrificing their sons and daughters in the fire as offerings to Baal, something I did not command or mention, nor did it enter my mind. If we persist in disobeying God, resisting his leading in our lives, then things get worse for us. In this place... I will ruin the plans of Judah and Jerusalem. I will make them fall by the sword before their enemies at the hands of those who want to kill them. And I will give their carcasses as food to the birds of the air and the wild animals. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and daughters, and they will eat one another's flesh during the stress of the siege imposed on them by the enemies who seek their lives. The Babylonians came and encircled Jerusalem and cut off all supplies for about 18 months. So the people in the city were starving and they ended up eating one another's flesh. Then break the jar while those who go with you are watching and say to them, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will smash This nation and this city, just as this potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. Jeremiah breaks the potter's flask to demonstrate, if you people do not repent and come back to God, I am going to break this city. Like God uses circumstances to shape the people of Judah, he is using events to shape us. He uses many different Things to mold our lives, mates, parents, siblings, teachers, school principals, coaches, pastors, pandemics, economic lockdowns, riots, elections. We can fight against them, but if we do, we're actually fighting against God. Being vulnerable helps you lead through uncertain times. A third way to become vulnerable is to admit to God or admit that God shapes you more easily if you surrender Him. God can do this the easy way or the hard way. It's a lot wiser to let Him do it the easy way. 
If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. If God warns a nation or a person of impending disaster, if they don't repent, and they repent, then God can not send the judgment. He did that with Nineveh. Remember, Jonah came and preached, and all the people of Nineveh repented, and so God did not inflict on them the disaster. If we listen to God's warnings, we can avoid disastrous consequences in our lives. If we surrender to Him, He can use us. In C.S. Lewis's uh, Narnia Tales, uh, in Prince Caspian, uh, the great lion, Aslan, the Christ figure, comes to Prince Caspian and says, I have a mission for you. And Caspian responds, ah, I don't know if I'm ready to do that, sir. And Aslan responds, it's for that reason, in his big, warm, uh, lion voice, it's for that reason that I know you are ready. When we're humble... And vulnerable and admit that we don't know how to do this, that's when God can use us. But when we're proud and think, oh, I've got this figured out, God cannot use us. When God sends us warnings, as he did with Judah, we can surrender to him or resist him. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, it's no use. The people of Judah say to Jeremiah, it's, it's no use, it's too late. But God says no failure need be fatal. When they failed, God gave new, be new beginnings to Abraham, Moses, David, Jonah, Peter, and he can do the same with you. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you turn back to God, he can shape your life into something beautiful. In fact, shaping lives into the likeness of Christ is a task only God can do. The fourth way it is important for us to be vulnerable is to admit that God shaping you can change your perspective on what is happening to you and your country. Uh, God tells us through Jeremiah that he is working in history. He was working in Judah. He was working in Babylon. <clears throat> when we look for what God is doing in the world, it gives us a better perspective on what is happening. For example, God used the Cultural Revolution in China to accomplish his purposes. In the 1960s and 1970s, the Chinese Communist Party purged their culture of millions of educated intellectuals and Western-influenced citizens. Many of those citizens were Christians that were being persecuted. Uh, as the Chinese government moved these Christians from cities to remote rural areas, guess what happened? They took Christ with them. 
when the Chinese government closed their country to the Western world in the, in the 1960s, like 1966, there were very few Christians in China. When they reopened their country, partially, in 1976, missiologists were shocked to find that there were now millions and millions of Christians in China. In other words, God used the Chinese Communist Party to spread his word to millions of Chinese. The official number that are Christians in China is 108 million. But missiologists estimate that there are over 300 million Christians in China. More Christians in China than in the United States. Just as God tirelessly works in nations, Judah, Babylon, China, He also patiently works in us. If we look for His working in our lives, it gives us a whole new perspective about what's happening to us. You may feel like you're being hammered by events going on in your life or in our country. But if you realize that God is using uh, the hammer blows to shape you into something useful, it helps you accept the difficulties that are coming your way. During my grade school and uh, high school years, I had a very good relationship with my parents. Then I went to Lewis and Clark College. I came back after my freshman year with a, a whole new radical political viewpoint. And I told my parents, you know, you guys are ignorant. You don't know what's going on. Your views are stupid and wrong. And I was very cruel to my parents. Well, my junior year, I was asked to become the young life leader of Beaverton High School. And God was uh, gracious and, and uh, drew uh, scores of teenagers to, to come to Christ. And I counseled them to, you know, you need to honor your parents. You need to respect them. And God, like, convicted me. He said, what a hypocrite you are. You don't respect your parents. You treat your parents like garbage. And so when I went home after that summer, uh, working up here in Portland at Valley Community Presbyterian Church, and many kids there who were becoming Christians, I said, Mom, Dad, I am so sorry the way I've treated you. I've been so cruel to you, and you folks sacrificed your lives for me. You paid my way through college. I was doing my part from summer jobs, but they paid most of it. I've been so mean to you. I am so sorry. I'm wrong. Would you forgive me? Young person, maybe you're struggling with your parent. Please understand that your parents want the best for you. They love you too much to let you get away with disrespect, rude manners, laziness, or wrong attitudes. When they correct you or they say no to some request you make, you must understand that they love you. And they are acting as the hand of God in your life. Now, I don't mean that every parent's wise and every decision a parent makes is good, but that is God's plan for parents to raise children in this world. It is His plan for Christian parents to raise up their children 
to know Christ. When you fight against your parents, you're fighting God. If you look to, for, for God speaking to you through your parents, it will change how you view them. I picked up this hammer and nailed this morning out of our garage. The hammer is used to pound a nail into wood. The hammer is very useful for that task. But imagine if the nail had feelings and had intelligence, how it would view this whole situation. It would say, the hammer is cruel. It just beats me. And it would be correct. Except for one thing. The nail must realize that the nail and the hammer are held by the same hands of the workman. It's the workman's decision what nail is going to be pounded and what hammer is going to do the job. We need to remember that heartaches and troubles that come into our lives are like God using a hammer to shape us. They come in all shapes and sizes, an unfulfilled romance, a lingering illness, an untimely death, an unachieved goal, a broken marriage, a severed friendship, a wayward child, a medical crisis, the pandemic, the economic lockdown that may have leveled your business, or possibly it's been destroyed by your business has been destroyed by the lockdown or rioters, a failing grade at school, a depression that won't go away, a habit you can't seem to break. Do I speak to a nail today who's feeling hammered by things going on in our country and by things happening in your life? And you can't bear another day of heartache? As difficult as it may be for you to understand, God knows what He's doing. Your Savior knows your breaking point. The bruising and crushing process is designed to reshape you, not ruin you. Are you resenting and resisting the hammer blows God has placed in your life? You hate a teacher? Not realizing that God wants to use that teacher to shape you? You're irritated by a coach that's not playing you enough? Not realizing that God wants to use that coach to teach you something? You resent a mate who keeps talking about your weaknesses? You believe a boss is too hard on you? Not recognizing that God wants to speak to you through that boss? Like a potter working on clay, God shapes you and me to become vulnerable, admitting our sins so that we can become compassionate in helping people through these uncertain times. Being vulnerable helps you lead through uncertain times. There's four ways you can become more vulnerable. Admit your vulnerabilities to God and people. Be honest with God. Be honest with people. And people will actually respect you more for that. 
Admit that God is shaping you, though you have resisted him. Admit that you need shaping and that God is working in your life. Admit God shapes you more easily if you surrender to him. It's a whole lot easier if you surrender. And that's a wiser way to go. And admit that God shaping you can change your perspective on what is happening to you and our country. Rather than resisting God's shaping work in your life, will you surrender your life to Him today? If you've never committed your life to Christ, you can do that right now as we pray. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Jeremiah. He received Your Word and he spoke it to the people of Judah. And he could be speaking just as clearly today in our world with the troubles we see. And we pray that we would accept your shaping in our lives. It's, they come usually in difficult things, hard things. But rather than resisting them, may we accept them and see your hand working in our lives. Why don't you pray right now and tell God that? That you understand that he uses events in your life, difficult things, difficult things in our country to shape you and accept his work in your life. And if you want to commit your life to Christ right now, tell him you believe he's the son of God and ask him to forgive your sins and come in. You pray. Lord Jesus, when tough things happen in our lives, we get very discouraged, even depressed, and we hate them, and we resist them, but help us understand today that you work through difficult times to shape us into the people you want us to be, and so we accept them today. We surrender our lives to you, in Jesus' name.